0: To Indiana SRN, God's Word 24 7 and sports.
1: This is Behind the Stripes. Thank you for joining us as we take an honest look at the men and women we call officials, the professionals who make it possible for us to enjoy the games we love. They are the authority on the field, on the courts, on the diamonds, and on the ice. Behind the Stripes is here to support our officials, athletic directors, coaches, players, and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship, strong leadership, selfless teamwork, and respect for others on and off the playing field. Now let's join our host Keith Myers and his guest Guest
0: for today's show. Well, hello, and welcome to Behind the Stripes, week number nine, Keith Myers, along with Brenda Hilton. Good morning, Brenda.
1: Good morning.
0: It's a great day. If you want to contact Brenda, you can reach her at brenda at officiallyhuman.com. My email address is coach at indiana srn.org. You can follow us on Twitter at indiana SRN. and we want to thank all of our listeners Uh, for the the support they have had I I don't know about you Brenda but I get a lot of emails and a lot of comments and boy we've had some great guests
2: we have we have and I'm very excited for today's guest with uh, Ralph with referee rant
0: yeah and Ralph is on the hotline with us and and Ralph you know you I look here you officiate 11 sports is
3: that correct Yes, it is. Good morning, guys. How's everybody doing today? Doing well. Good.
0: I don't know if I've ever carried 11 licenses. I think the most I carried was four, but 11. Holy smokes.
3: <laughs> well, listen, yeah. there's a technicality with it because I consider uh, boys' basketball and girls' basketball in the state of New York, uh, they follow different rules. And um, for the girls' side, they do women's college NCAA rules. And for the boys, they do IABO like most of the other states nationally. So, in in theory, it's the same sport, but it's technically different rules, so I count that as two different sports. Okay, I, 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 can't blame I'm, you there.
0: I'm impressed that you just know eleven different sets of rules. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Shoot, I don't even know I don't even know how to tie my shoe at times, so that's that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Uh,
3: when I when I think about um, when when people try to ask me, um, don't you get confused with all of the different sports and rules that you do? Um, that's like saying, do you get confused when you watch a TV show? And if you flip the channel and you watch another TV show, do you get confused of what show you're watching? I don't think so. So it's the same thing. You, Great go, analogy. you can only go, as, you can only go as, as far as your mind takes you. So oh, if you think you, you have go. that limitation, then you will.
0: I like yes. this guy. This
3: guy's going to be good <laughs> guys. <laughs> he is.
2: He's going to he's going to teach us a lot today. So um, a little bit of history. Ralph and I got connected. Um, gosh, Ralph, was it six, six eight months ago?
3: Yeah, about six, eight months ago. This was pre-pandemic. This was around January. Um, I, I saw your appearance on Crown Reps, and it was very similar to the things that I was doing. Um, I try to raise awareness of officiating, and not so much of just like uh, the benefits, just more so of, um, I guess, bringing, peeling back the layer of, of just realizing that we are such a vital asset to the uh, offici- uh, the, the sporting industry. Mm-hmm. And I think what was always disappointing is that you know players always have the stature because they... They, they make the game go and coaches obviously are the teachers of the game and they, they imbue their wisdom onto players. And then of course there's administrators who keep the score and, and keep all the games uh, organized. But then when it comes to the officiating, sometimes th- there's a disconnect between um, what people perceive of what it is and, and what it is. So only people that are kind of like behind the scenes and understand the people that take it serious in the officiating game, how much work we put in, um, how we treat it as a craft and how, important we believe that sports are and how much passion we have for the love of sports and that's the reason why we do it but for some reason um, in this industry in the officiating industry uh, a lot of people look at us as if we're the enemy especially if somebody's a fan and they're slanted with one particular team they get disappointed when it doesn't go their way
2: yeah for sure so how did you um, get started in officiating
3: okay so about 10 years ago um, I was I was I was playing with all of my friends uh, at my college, um, Hofstra University, which is located in Long Island and in New York. What we used to do is every Saturday we would get a bunch of guys and we would play flag football. And I thought I was pretty good. I never dropped a ball. I probably had um, a little bit more resin than most people on their gloves, uh, but I would never drop a ball. <laughs> uh, I would always get. I would always score like two touchdowns. I'd get an interception, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I, I had a nice chemistry with the quarterback, and he suggested." You know, we should go play in our local flag football league. So I thought about it, and uh, we ended up doing that. And I remember how much of a tough time that we had because we never played with referees. And I, I for some reason, this will always will stick out to me. I remember going there at two p.m. and the official that was on the game. Uh, God bless his soul. His name is Lucius. Here, he was my first mentor. I remember how upset he was, and and I was trying to understand why he was. And and he told me that this was his sixth game of the day. And then I just started doing just simple mathematics. If this is his sixth game and he made $40 every single game, I said, wow, that's a, that's a big score for, for one day. So I just was peppering him with questions. I'm like, how many days a week do you do this? And he said, oh, I only do this on Sunday. And I said, so what do you, what do, you do with all that money? He's like, oh, you could do a whole bunch of things. I could put it away for vacation. You could put it away for insurance. You could uh, probably buy two weeks' worth of groceries. So I remember that conversation, and I only remember that because his partner in the backfield of that flag football game was completely inebriated. He was out to lunch, and I was asking him during that game, I said, how much money is he making? Because he looks like he's not nearly working as hard as you are. Oh, he, he's out to lunch. What, that's what Lou said. So that always <laughs> stuck with me, and I remember just thinking that whole week, I'm like, why am I playing? I, I should be refing." So then next week, It was the same field and it was Lou, but it was a different partner. Somebody that was a little bit more, uh, not out to lunch. And, uh, (laughs) this was around 8am instead of 2pm. And I said, Hey Lou, how many games do you got today? And he said, um, I only have, I only have five today. I said, Oh, that's, that sucks that you don't have the the sixth game for you. He's like, yeah, but I get to go home early. And I said, what happened to that? Um, that other official that, that seemed like he was hung over from the night before he said, Oh, they, they got rid of him. So I said, there's got to be a spot open there, right? And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? Don't you want to play? And I said, I don't know. I, I think I could do this every week. And, you know, I kept peppering him with questions. And he was like, you know what? Just, just give me your phone number and we'll stay in contact. So he, he didn't contact me for about six months. And then one day out of the blue, it was around the same time around now, um, he said, he calls me up and he, he says, there's a class going on at uh, six o'clock. And it was already 3.30 in the afternoon. And he's like, if you want to get signed up, just add, just tell him, mention my name and, and tell him, I know you're not registered. And I'm like, that's it. And I'm like, it's too late. It's three And he said, do you want money or not? And I went, uh, I mean, I guess. So I went there, I had no idea what was going on. And literally the next week I was on the field with Lou <laughs> and I was in the backfield. And I remember I was so scared because I got the official white pants. I got cleats. I got, This whistle, it wasn't even a Fox 40. I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember the first play that was coming to me. It was like a 30-yard pass. And I remember I was in the backfield. And I went, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I got to blow the whistle. I got to blow the whistle. And the ball goes, drops on the floor. And it was an incomplete pass. And I'll never forget. It was like incomplete. And I went, that's it? And that was honestly (laughs) the fastest $150 I've ever made in my life. And I remember saying to myself, I wish I can do this every day. Um to the point where Lou is like, you want to do it every day? You should do softball. So now think about it. I'm I'm playing, I'm refing a sport that I've only played once a week with some of my buddies. And then softball, which I have no baseball or softball background. And that's when it started. Um what what happened was when when I started doing softball, um, I was completely confused. And I think that's when I started becoming a lover of like understanding a game, especially like to me, it's a game because you think about somebody that's never played baseball or softball, you got to figure out all of those idiosyncrasies, those nuances of, you know, a, a 60-year-old over-the-hill softball player mm-hmm. that has been playing for 25 years and you have to try to replicate as if you know what you're doing when you only know it purely from the rules and theory. So I always found that interesting. In fact, my first game there was um, my first softball game, there was a, a mat lead. So what happens is when there's a mat over the plate, what you do is when, when the ball hits that mat, it's an automatic strike. And I remember I called it a ball. And everyone got <laughs> furious. <laughs> so then the next and I remember it was the first time I was behind the plate. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to show a brave face as if I knew what I was doing. And they're a little bit rough because what they do is they'll bring 24 packs to the game. You know, they're trying to have a uh-huh. good time. This is like their respite. So, and I remember the, the, this, the next half inning, what happened was um, for the next team, Uh, There was a screamer down the right field line, and it was completely, completely um, fair territory. And I called foul ball. And (laughs) basically both teams were giving it to me for the next seven innings. And I remember I got eviscerated by that. And, you know, Lou took me to the side, and he's like, you know, you got to know what you're doing before you get on the the field. So that's when he basically did 80 games with me, and then that's when I really— started taking officiating serious. That's cool. Hope that answers your question. You're, you're, <laughs> wow, that's
0: yeah, awesome. That's awesome. You're listening to Behind the Stripes on Indiana SRN. Thank you very much for joining us. And, Ralph, I just have a couple of questions here for you. But sure. with with the experience that you have and the mm-hmm. way things are going now, uh, you know, you you talked about maybe five five six seven games in a row you know now guys are doing that because there's not enough officials to do that, and I think if coaches realize uh, the first question they should ask when they walk on the court is what game is this for you, so they understand that referee's um, maybe attitude that he may have because the guy working fifth his twelfth game is much different than the guy that's coming on the field working one. Talk a little bit about the shortage and how many guys are working eight or nine games uh, on recreational sports a weekend.
3: Well, in New York, pre-pandemic, that was uh, that was a normal thing. Um, there's this uh, facility called Island Garden in Long Island, and some of the top teams from New York City, the tri-state area, and of course Long Island, they come and converge. And what they do is they have about sixty different facilities where they service all of these games. That really start, especially during the weekend, it starts literally from eight a.m. to all the way till nine p.m. So sometimes you get those um, AAU games that are that are basically packed with. Um, Basically, teams just coming in and out, in and out. One team will have a game at eight. Another team will have a game at three p.m. One other team will have three games, and it'll be interspersed during the day. And that's when officials, what they like to do is they try to pack those in. Um, And you know, those those basic schedules and uh, assignments are basically reserved for the veterans that know that they can handle that. But um, to answer your question with the shortage, it's a little different, I think, with the pandemic because I think especially in New York, we've got so ravaged by the coronavirus. It really hit us so hard. Um, It really upended the uh, AU season over here. Normally in April, that's when you'd have those those uh, 10-game-a-day schedules. And we haven't had any of that. And for me personally, um, I feel kind of uneasy officiating. Um, I've been doing a little bit of flag football here and there. But in terms of basketball, I haven't seen really a concrete plan of what they're going to do in terms of safety. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of you know, testing for fans, um, how many fans are going to be participating? how are they going to socially distance players? So for me, once I see a concrete plan because I already see how serious, and I think of course across the country, you can see that when people eased up, you can see that those spikes really happen. So uh, for me, I'm uneasy. so I don't know how that plays in with the shortage, but in terms of pre-pandemic, I think, um, I think officiating is really like a hidden gem. And I think also the perception of players that are trying to transition from coaching. They only think that coaching is the only outlet. I think some people also think that uh, athletic training also could be another outlet. And for some reason, officiating is always kind of like the last on the totem pole, like you have basically resigned to the fact that you're not going to be in a sport. And I think I think really the shortage comes from just a lack of awareness of how great officiating is because of what the perception is, especially when you get to the pro sports. So, I mean, if, if both of you guys watch the NBA – and you see the vitriol back and forth from a professional athlete, they feel emboldened that they can say anything because, let's think about it, for all intents and purposes, somebody like Draymond Green, he's probably making more in that game than official an official is making in that year. So they already feel they're coming from a different place of, of authority. Now, when you go into the amateur level, it's a lot different. So I always say to officials, if you're not doing a professional sport, more than likely you're going to be officiating somebody that's not getting paid. So it's a little different in that situation, you have to have more control at the pro level. If that's the only thing that you can proceed that officiating is, then you're going to think of it as as basically you're just a, a pinata and you're, you're just getting beat up by the vitriol by the by, and the crowd. So I think if we kind of learn, we give people the awareness, especially if they're not exposed to officiating, if they if they have those two distinctions between the pro level and the amateur level. I feel like we would get a lot of officials, but that starts with somebody like me and Brenda, where we have to be on the grassroots level to understand the benefits of officiating.
2: You know, Ralph, one of the things that I've always been intrigued about, and we don't hear a lot, and when we go out to talk to people about recruiting people into the officiating craft is the amount of money that people can make back to your very first point on the $240. Mm -hmm. It's like people don't they don't grasp that as much. I don't think we, somehow we got to figure out how to push that message a little bit stronger as well.
3: Right. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, go back to Lucy, Lucy my first mentor. I remember after the second week I got hooked because like I said, I made $150 in less than three hours. I can't think of any other side job that you can go to. You can't, you can't walk into Best Buy and command $50 an hour. You can't walk into target and then all of a sudden not be a manager and command thirty-five dollars an hour. So when I tell people that officiating, you can really command thirty dollars, forty dollars, fifty dollars a game. People get intrigued, but again, that perception of getting yelled at sometimes it it doesn't square with them in their head. Um, exactly. You know, I was I was trying to think about it in a sense of when when Lou told me the second week, I said, "How do I get more games?" Because I want more money. He said, "Don't worry about the the amount of money you're going to make. Just think of it more so that." If if you get really good at this, you'll get you'll get more opportunities to make more money. And I was very steadfast in remembering what he said to me every time I got an assignment, because, you know, when you start comparing yourself and and thinking like somebody's getting more games, you're getting less games. That's not really the basis of why I started. You know, like, yes, the money was good. But at the same time, I enjoyed myself. I can't think of any time some some people they they really are sometimes disenchanted with their job. And they're only doing it for a paycheck. This was the first time that I got fully compensated with something that was fun. So I think if you angle it in a way where it's fun, you're getting, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. Everyone goes to the gym, right? When pre-pandemic, you have to pay money to get a membership of the gym. What if I tell you there's something that you can get physical activity, mental activity, and you're getting paid handsomely? That's something that, that, that might be appealing
0: to a lot of people. Exactly. Right. It is halftime at Behind the Stripes. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Indiana SRN, where you're always in the game.
3: It's halftime
1: at the Behind the Stripes podcast, powered by Indiana SRN, underwritten by the IHSAA and the Indiana Officials Association. If you would like to be a part of our sponsorship, please contact us at info at srn.org. We want to hear from you. Contact Keith Myers at coach at srn.org. or Brenda at brenda at officiallyhuman.com. Now let's join Keith for the second half of Behind the Stripes, powered by Indiana SRN. Becoming a licensed sports official is a great way to make a positive difference in the community and support the over 160,000 Indiana student-athletes that participate across 21 IHSAA sports. Sports officiating allows you to stay connected to the game, become a role model for our young student-athletes, earn extra money, and support the patrons and communities of our IHSAA member schools. To learn more about becoming a licensed IHSAA official, log on to ihsaaorg officials
0: today. Do you want to hear your favorite team on indianasrn.org? It's easy to do, calling all the play-by-play and colored commentary. High school sports, along with youth sport, Mr. Wizard is waiting for your call. Contact him at 317-443-0052. We're ready for every touchdown, basket, and goal. Contact Mr. Wizard, 317-443-0052. You're listening to Indiana SRN, God's Word 24 and sports. Back with the second half of Behind the Stripe. Behind the Stripes. Keith Myers, Brenda Hilton. With us is Ralph. He's from New York. New York City. I kind of I kind of like that Ralph. That uh, we've we've had guests uh, Brenda from everywhere, and uh, the Big Apple is famous for great basketball. And uh, is that one of your favorite sports to officiate, Ralph?
3: So. Believe it or not, when I started officiating, basketball was like my fifth sport. And you would think that I'm such a lover of the game. Um, I've been coaching volleyball for uh, yes. almost 21 years. Love it. Uh, that's, I'm too close to the game that I would never officiate and, um But basketball is something that I've played all my life. So once I started realizing, you know what, if I'm really good at this officiating game, why don't I do a sport that I really love? And once I started getting into basketball... Um, once I got a taste of New York City basketball, I was hooked because it's something that it, it, you really get through the ringer. I mean some of the top prospects um, in high school play here on the boys and the girls side. Uh, some of the best Division one, Division two, II, Division three athletes get interspersed through the nation. Of course, we uh, always produce some of the top pro athletes that that uh, have ever graced new york so it's it's a jungle there's always uh, uh, a large crowd there's always a a, a rambunctious uh, coach. Um, and and the players really get into it. So if you can make it in New York, as they always say, it applies to basketball too. You can make it anywhere in officiating.
2: Hey, Ralph, uh, quick question for you. Is New York, are they playing any youth sports at all right now?
3: Uh, Some of them are playing flag football. Some of them are playing um, lacrosse, a lot of the socially distanced. Matter of fact, there's a couple of fields um, across when, when I'm driving home. I see a lot of baseball games have been played, but In terms of indoor uh, basketball, they they really have shut that down. I know Governor Cuomo, as you all see, he's uh, nationally televised. Um, He he really put a pause on a lot of the large gatherings. So the courts aren't open. And for the most part, all of the indoor facilities uh, for basketball, they're not being played. But the outdoor sports are slowly trickling down, but not as much as it used to be. It used to be every day, all day, everywhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. So... Tell us a little bit about Referee Rant and how did it come to be?
3: Okay, so a lot of things that we touched on uh, before of, you know, money and and reffing and doing something that you like um, really came to pass when one time, I think I was in between games, I went to visit one of my friends, uh, Wayne, who works at a local restaurant. It's called Smash Burger, and it's about five minutes from my house. And I remember speaking to him. It was around 1130. I was getting food. Uh, for my wife. And what he was saying was, oh man, I wish I didn't have to be here. And I asked him, how long, how long are you going to be here today? And he said, I'm going to be here till 10 PM. And I said, let me ask you a question. And I don't want to be intrusive to your situation, but how much money are you making? And he's like, I'm making $12. And I said, you know, you could learn how to referee basketball and you could probably make $50 for one game, And you could do three games at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., probably in the gym. That's five minutes away from here. And you can make as much money in three hours, and you can spend the rest of the nine hours that you would have been here to figure out what you really want to do. And he got really intrigued when I said that to him. And he said, well, I don't know how to start. And I said, well, you know me. And at the time, I think I was repping about six, seven years, and you know, I have tried to help people and I try to persuade them to officiating because of the marriage of the physical, the mental, and of course, the, the monetary uh, advantages that it presents. So um, after, he, after he told me, when I told him that I would help him, um, you know, he thought about it. And I think about two weeks later, I came back and I'll never forget. He, he looked at me and he was like, that's a travel. <laughs> he went, I went on YouTube and I didn't see anything about learning how to ref. And he's like, you know what you should do? Why don't you make a website on refereeing? That way you could teach other people just like me instead of just leaving it to me. Why don't you just write, you know, about referees? You're always, because I would always come there on my breaks and he would, I would always be in my referee uniform without the uniform, uh, just like the black shorts and and black socks. So he always knew that I was reffing. So once that kind of crystallized in my mind, I remember I had a flag football game and it was about, I want to say um, like a Thursday night And I remember it just kind of came to me because the coach was like, um, he was like, ref, can I rant to you? And I'm like, all right, go ahead. And so then he just kind of like laid it on me. And I went, okay. So, then I started thinking like rant is a negative word. There's a negative connotation when you think about that. You think the players are ranting, the coaches are ranting. So then I said, how come referees never get the rant back? (laughs) So I was like, you know, let's make this a positive connotation. And then I started to think like, You know, there's one thing to think about one of these websites, but then there's another thing to
0: execute. Oh, yeah.
3: And, you know, when I figured out about websites, especially like in the repping community, it's always like really great information, poor presentation. Mm. And then I think about uh, a website that has great presentation. You know, sometimes I would see these beautiful websites of this local association, and the last time it got updated was 2015. So I said to myself, I'm not going to make a website unless I have like 10 solid Like topics of a blog or anything So I remember after that play football night Once I got that name referee rant I really just jotted a whole bunch of notes on my iPad And I started thinking Okay let me me try to come up with 10 I was up all night Brenda I was up all night probably till 4am Because I had about 80 ideas And that's kind of when it started I just wrote one and I remember I was like Okay so I figured out how to use WordPress And then it just kind of like it just kept coming to me And then people started getting involved And I said you know what I think a lot of people like listening to podcasts. I know I always talk to all of my friends that referee uh, during the the course of the season and I talk to them on my way to the drive. But then I think about all of those pregame, those halftime, those postgame speeches that we would have where we would share information. And, you know, reffing with a partner is kind of like when you're going on a date with somebody and you're going to the movies. You're not really getting to know them. You're watching something with them. And you're experiencing something with them, but it's like minimal talk. You have to talk to them before the movie and after movie of what you thought. So, yeah, I, I always thought like, why don't I bring the pre-game and, and the post-game and the halftime speech to everybody, right? Because sometimes they don't get they don't they're not afforded to referee with some of these great officials that I've been able to. So, um, I always thought I had a good knack of asking them the right questions. So, you know what I said? Let me start a podcast. And what I did was. Um, my first episode was with my friend Jeff, who was a flag football official, and we just had a conversation, and it was pretty good. I had no idea how to edit it, and Keith, no, you know, you know what it's like to edit podcasts. It's, it's a tedious uh, thing, oh, and yeah. then so so basically, after that, I got another friend, and then another friend, and then I'd say after about ten of them, and I always I always give advice of, of people that are trying to start a, a podcast. I always say get up to ten, and that's why it's ironic that I'm on the tenth one, which is yeah awesome. Um, I say, get to 10 and then and then we can talk. But after the 10th one, I, I asked my interpreter of my local association for basketball to be on it. And he had no idea what he was because he's like an 80 year old man. He's like, what's this radio show that I'm going to be on? <laughs> so I asked him and uh, he went on. And then that's when things just started rolling. You know, after that, I got I, I, that led to a division two official. Then that led to an NBA official. Then that led to an NFL, you know. So after that, it just kind of went. But I think it's a unique perspective, and what I've done was I've invited players and coaches so that they could get their perspective, and for me, it just only fortifies our bond. It it really claims our seat at the table, so that's basically, in a nutshell, how it started, and 600,000 downloads and uh, 100,000 views on the uh, website later. Um, I'm just honored that I can continue this and have opportunities like this to be on this podcast.
0: Well, you know, 10 must be the magic number because this is our ninth show, and I I would like to invite you back for week 10. So can you come back next week?
3: I I would love to be on. Brenda, is that okay?
0: I I made a corporate decision. Is that okay, Brenda?
3: (laughs) That is awesome.
0: We we will join you next week. Ralph will join back with us next week. And if you have any questions about Behind the Stripes, you can contact Brenda at Brenda at officiallyhuman.com. My email address is coach at Indiana SRN.org. Follow us on Indiana SRN on Twitter, and we will see you again next week. Same time, same place. Goodbye, everybody.
1: listening to Behind the Stripes a show that supports our officials athletic directors coaches players and fans by bringing attention to good sportsmanship strong leadership selfless teamwork and respect for others on and off the playing field thank you for listening to Behind the Stripes powered by Indiana SRN
0: You're listening to Indiana SRN God's Word 24/7 and Sports